excited about the word the Lord has placed in my heart. I'd like us just to go to the book of Ruth very quickly. The book of Ruth. Ruth is a beautiful story, a very touching story, but it carries a very, very great message. I'd like us just to read the first chapter. It's not very long. We're going to read Ruth chapter 1 from 1 to 14. That's the book of Ruth just after Judges and before Samuel. Ruth comes at a time when Israel has become destitute through stupidity, bad leadership, sin, etc., etc. And God has got a plan, all right? God has a plan. His plan is to send a man, Samuel, a prophet. That starts it all off. But before that happens, let's just read this little passage of Scripture. Ruth chapter 1 from 1 to 14. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was famine in the land. And a certain man of the Bethlehem Judah went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Marlon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Then Marlon and Chilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each or to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and lifted up her voice and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. 
Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. The title of this message is Kiss or Cling. I mean, kiss or cling. But before I go into it, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your precious word. Help us, Lord, to absorb your word. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened that we might receive fresh manna from heaven. May this word touch our hearts and be a blessing. May it increase our faith in you. May it open our eyes. May it give us understanding and wisdom to face the world in which we live, that we might be overcomers. We come against every spirit of darkness that would hinder this word in the ears of all those within the sound of my voice. And we proclaim that this word will produce fruit, a hundredfold fruit, Lord, in the hearts of all those who hear it. We ask this in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. To kiss or to cling. Amen. To kiss or to cling. Now, there's a very important pattern I discovered in this particular scripture, and it runs throughout the entire Bible, and it's a secret to great success. If you know the story, what happens from there on is this. Oh, not, I almost said Oprah. It's not Oprah, it's Oprah. All right? She disappears into history. She goes back to the land where she comes from. You understand what happened? This woman comes with her husband to a new land, a foreign land. They're foreigners, all right? They experience a bit of xenophobia, but she has a terrible time. Her husband dies, sons die. And she's left with two. As a widowed woman, she's left with two. Daughters-in-law, all right, in a foreign land. And can I just say, in that day and age, if you were not married, it was almost like a stigma, all right, a stigma. And the whole system of law was arranged whereby if your husband died, then his brother was obliged to marry you, sort of thing. That's how it worked. So, so that's why people ended up with more than one wife. It was for the sake of the family line and to make sure that there was no lack in Israel, okay. But anyway, here she is with these two girls. And she hears that things are going well back home. So she decides to go back home, to immigrate. And the issue is now, what do these two foreign girls do now if they go to a foreign? They will be foreigners. They're at home where they are, in Moab. They are Moabite people. And you see, the thinking is, the logical thinking, stay amongst your own family. Stay amongst your own family, which makes sense, because amongst their own family, there's more chance of them getting married, remarried, etc., and establishing a family. You understand? So here we are at the threshold. Naomi says to them, stay. It's better for you that you stay. Better for you that you stay. However, however, Orpah, she cries and she decides, yes, you're right. It's better to stay. And she kisses Naomi. Right? However, Ruth decides, no, I'm going with you. And she clings. She clings. Now you see, Orpah disappears into history. What happens to Ruth? They have a very sad start, so to speak, gleaning, gleaning the barley was left over. But they get into contact with almost like the main honcho in the village. And eventually, Ruth becomes his wife. I mean, she marries well. Right? Not only that, she becomes the great-great-grandmother of David. Did you know that? The great-great-grandmother of David. And she becomes part of the lineage of Christ. She's mentioned in Matthew. Isn't that awesome? She affects history. She affects history. What is the difference? 
the one kissed, the other one clung. Now, the pattern is this. In life, the great things of life come and they visit us. Amen. What those great things are, I'm going to talk about. But they come and they visit us. Everybody is visited by the eternal things of life at some stage. And there are many of them. We are visited by the eternal things of life. We come into contact with them. All right? And some people are changed thereby. And others, it doesn't make any difference. They go on unaffected. And the difference is this, you see? The difference is this. When those things come our way, some people are quite happy just to kiss them. All right? But others cling. You see? And if we just kiss, it doesn't affect us. Our life is not changed. Our life is not changed. We carry on with the way the world designed us to just die. However, if we grasp this, this understanding of clinging, amen, that eternal thing that came our way will change us. And it will mean that our lives will fulfill the destiny which God has given us. Amen. We will change the world. Okay, have you all got the pattern? Now you see, what are these things that come our way? I've got eight of them here I'm going to mention. Talk about them. But you'll get the pattern. You see, when things come our way, our reaction is either one of the two. Now you see, when you kiss something, there is an emotional connection. You understand? It's like a, a soulish event. It is profound. And it is beautiful in its way. Right? But you see, it doesn't have a long-lasting effect. Okay, now the obvious example is the Lord Yeshua. He comes along and he crosses you on my path. Amen. And I must be honest with you, as a young man growing up, there were occasions where he came my way. He came my way. People mentioned the gospel, they mentioned this, and I dabbled with it. But what was I doing? I was just kissing it. You understand? However, at the age of 20, things had taken a turn and Graham was on his knees and asking God to reveal himself and God did. And the moment he did, from that moment on, guess what? I clung. Amen? I clung. And it's made all the difference. It's made all the difference. So many people will say to you, yes, I went to that crusade. I went to that event and I gave my heart to Jesus. And you ask them, but your lifestyle doesn't reflect that now. You are no longer a Christian in the natural. They say, no, I'm not really a Christian anymore. But I did meet with him. What happened there? They met with him. They kissed him. What was the problem? They kissed, but they did not cling. I hope you're picking this up because it's so profound and it affects many areas of our life. And you see, if you don't cling to him, the fact that you have kissed him will not make much difference. Amen? Can I just say, when the things of heaven come our way and we have contact with them, 
The devil's job is to do what? Come between. Amen. Come between. What I'm trying to say is that experience that you and I have will be tested. You get the pattern? The devil wants to split us from God. And you see, what happens when so many young Christians and even old Christians going through life, we sin, right? All of us are in the same boat. Now you see, the difference is this. If you have just kissed the sun, as it were, you'll feel ashamed. You'll feel ashamed. And what will that make you do? Hard. Remember the Garden of Eden? Remember the Garden of Eden. What did Adam and Eve do once they realized they had sinned? They hid. Can you see? They hid. What was God interested in? Destroying them because they had failed? No, he wanted to reconnect. But what was it going to take? They themselves had to cling. You see? And so that's the message for you and I as Christians. When things get between you and God, don't run away from him. Run to him. You all got that? Run to him. Cling. Cling. Cling to him. Don't let him go. If you had a revelation of him, really, you won't. Because you'll realize there's nothing else. I mean, the disciples, Yeshua had a lot of rejects. Did you know that in his walk on this earth? A lot of people started with him and then left. It was quite common, actually. He had many disciples at one stage. People flocked him. But when he started to speak the truth, the real issues of life, get to the nitty-gritty, the bones of the matter, many said, we cannot walk with you anymore. And so many left, and he's turned to his disciples, do you want to go as well? Carry on. But they had the wisdom to understand, listen, where do we go? There's no one else. You understand? So you see, you and I have to make this decision in our lives, this relationship with him. Is it going to be something that we had an experience? Or maybe every now and then we have a little kiss, but we don't cling. Kiss on Sunday. Holiday on Monday. You see, if you cling, it doesn't make any difference. Sunday, Monday, Saturday, Friday, it doesn't matter. Are you hearing me? Okay. Very closely related to that is don't ever, don't ever lose your salvation. All right? When it comes to your eternal life with God in heaven, brothers and sisters, do not just enjoy the thought and say, oh, that would be nice. Cling. Are you hearing me? Cling. Cling to your salvation. You'll be so glad you did. Cling to it. The devil will try and get you off that perch. I wrote a poem about an invitation. I forgot to bring it, but basically it's about I've got an invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb. I've got an invitation. And no matter what anybody says, I will not part with that invitation. Why? Because it's written in my heart. You understand? I had a friend, very happy-go-lucky kind of guy, gung-ho, you know, very hell fellow, well-met, sort of very good socially, etc., Greek by extraction, and he was quite friendly and bubbly and all the rest, and in public he was good and parties and things like that, he was very sociable, all that. 
The moment somebody made a joke about him, and then something would change, and he would become so serious. He would just change. And I spoke to him about it. He said, you know what? There's one thing I will not fool around with. That's somebody else's eternal destiny. Hallelujah. I will not make a joke about it. I will not laugh about that. That's it. You understand? He understood this. When it comes to eternal salvation, don't fool around with it. Clean. Are you hearing me? At the end of the day, it's going to make a big difference. Now there's something else really closely tied to that. Don't just kiss your principles. Cling to them. Amen. Cling to your principles. Are you hearing me? Cling to your principles. As a young man, I never learned this. My parents taught me very good things. You don't steal. At one stage, they used to smoke, then they gave it up, so we were not encouraged to smoke. As a little schoolboy, what happened to me? All on my own, boarding school, went down to the town. There was a shop there, and guess what was in the shop? Something that fascinated my childlike mind, a little leg sharpener. Five cents, I think it cost in those days. But five cents for a little schoolboy, can I tell you, if you could buy eight sweets for one cent, you know what that meant? A veritable fortune. So what did Graham do against his principles? Okay. To this day, can I tell you, I regret that. I regret that. I knew better. My father taught me better. My father was a mining engineer responsible for multi-million dollar projects. And you know what happens when they're tenders for multi-million dollar projects? As family, we got such wonderful gifts over Christmas from all these big consulting firms. Japan, Germany, Italy, we got such wonderful gifts. What was that about? Sway my father's mind. But you know what my father was? A man of integrity. He did what every good engineer should do. He sat down, looked at every tender, and chose the most robust one, the best price, and that's the way they got the tender. Amen? And then other people would come to him and say, why didn't you give it to us? Look what we did for you. I mean, they gave us an inflatable boat to go and fish on the Kafiri River, I mean, for heaven's sake, for free. My dad gave it away, I don't know why. But anyway, what am I saying? My father was a man of integrity. The world needs people like that. Amen. Amen. And I knew better. I knew better. But what did I do? I did not cling to the principles I'd been taught. I went back to that shop. It disappeared. I wanted to pay them back the four cents. Bit of interest as well. But... My parents encouraged us not to smoke. It was sort of inbred that it's not good for you. What happened to little Graham on the train with all his other school buddies going home? Out with a cigarette. Let me try one. I was sick the first time, but I didn't show anybody. I was too proud, but uh, I got over that. It was quite cool. I think I looked like a gangster earlier. Yeah, you should have seen me then. Oh, my fault. What was the problem? I knew better. You understand? I knew better, but what did I not do? I did not cling to my principles. Young people, in this day and age, let me tell you, the devil will do everything to get you to forego your principles. But it will destroy you. It will destroy you. Let's talk about sleeping together. Straight to the point. Until there's a contract, are you hearing me? Until there's a ring, you do not have the right 
to enjoy the privileges of marriage. Are you hearing me? And you're stuck in a situation which is overwhelmingly, how shall I say, trying to drag you off that place of purity. Amen? And if you've heard these messages in church and you've done what? Kiss them. That sounds so good. What's the difference? You're going to have to clean. Those principles will carry you through. It will ensure that you can have a wholesome family one day. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? You see? The cling as opposed to the fling. The fling is short-term pleasure, long-term destruction. The cling, short-term embarrassment maybe, are hearing me. But long-term, joy. Can I put it any better? Cling to your principles. They are life. Amen? Cling. Don't just kiss the principles. Oh, that sounds very good. Cling. You're going to have to cling. Just think about it this way. If you're in a, a shipwreck, God forbid, and it was a wooden ship, God forbid as well. And, I mean, while you're sailing across the sea, that plank that's stuck in the side of the ship is irrelevant almost. But when it's driftwood and you're drowning, guess what? What do you do to that plank? You cling. Are you hearing me? Why? It'll float. It'll keep you afloat. I hope you hear me today. Can you see this, this pattern? Runs with the Bible? Cling. Cling. Listen to the teachings of your parents, the Bible says in Proverbs. That's what principles should be. Okay, let me just talk about something else. Cling to relationships. Amen? Now listen, in life, what will happen with you and I is that eternal relationships will come your way. Amen? Let me just sound a warning here. There are godless relationships. There are toxic relationships. Don't cling to those. Amen? Cut yourself loose from them. Are you hearing me? There's a balance here. Don't cling to every relationship comes your way. One of the greatest tragedies or mysteries for me is you've got a young lady in a relationship. The man treats her like dirt. Physically abusive. And apart from emotionally, etc. And she flees just to survive. What happens the next day? Goes back. She clings to the wrong thing. Hearing me? They are toxic relationships. Do not cling to them. That's a negative. However, in life, there are people that come our way that God has sent. And those relationships are wholesome. Those relationships are God-ordained. Don't just say, oh, I've got a friend. Cling. What do I mean by cling? You see, the pattern is this. That eternal thing comes your way and you have an option. You can kiss or you can cling. If you've just kissed, it will be tested. Or you all hearing me? It will be tested. If it's God, it will be tested. And you see, if you've just kissed, what happens? Oh, I don't like that person anymore. Bye. And you cut that person off. What's the danger of that? It becomes a habit. See? And every relation becomes a matter of just a emotional experience. And as soon as that emotion isn't what you would like, what happens? We separate. All the time, God intended for you and I to cling. Why? Because there's something we need to learn. 
Janet and I hold relationships in very high regard. And in the ministry, the business that we do, the opportunities to get hurt are very, very many. It's not the only people. Everybody else is in the same boat. But you have these experiences. It's a pattern of the devil to try and break relationships up. And we do everything we can to maintain relationships. Even if it takes years, we make a point of restoring a relationship that is broken. Do you understand? Why? We've learned something. People that mean something, you, you can. You can. We've got our oversight. You all met Pastor Claude. We've known him for many, many years. To be honest with you, there are few areas where our theology does not coincide. I'll be very honest with you. And we've had people say to us, why don't you join our big organization? And some of the organizations look quite flashy, etc., etc. And do you think to yourself, well, maybe that would be a good option? You know what? We made a decision. What is that decision? Okay. Why? We see in these people, people that have stood the test of time and are still serving the Lord faithfully despite everything they've gone through. That's a good example. Amen? Can you see that? It's divine appointment. We cling. We cling. Called faithfulness, actually. And you've got a friendship that is of any worth. Let me tell you, it'll go through stormy waters. Have you had that experience? Stormy waters. What is the option? Well, if you've just kissed, oh, I enjoyed his friendship. But bye. We fail to learn something. We miss an opportunity for God to change us. God has put people around us for a purpose. Iron sharpens iron. Amen? And I think Stace is a very good example of this. If you don't mind me sharing the example. Very good friend from school. Not on the same page spiritually, but she clings. Is that right, Stacey? She clings to relationships. Amen? She treasures the relationships of a friend. And because of that, can I just tell you, in the one instance that I know about, the doors opened for Stacy to share the foundation phase and to change her life. Are you hearing me? What if she just said, oh, look, you're not my league. You're not in my league. I don't relate with you. What would have happened? You understand? Brothers and sisters, be careful. Take relationships seriously. Learn to go the long road. Amen. Even when it's a bit shaky at times. Amen. Work through it. Work through it. It takes wisdom. It takes wisdom. There have been times where we have to have left a relationship on hold for a few years because we haven't recovered ourselves yet. You understand? There's still that hurt. If we have to overcome that, then we can go back. Are you hearing me? Can you see the difference? What is a, a person that has so many associates all over the place. Lots of friends. Have you come across this? They know everybody. They know everybody. But guess what? They don't really have any friends. No friends. Why? They haven't learned to cling. Amen. They're quite happy just to kiss and goodbye. Hope you're picking this up. I'm coming to the end here, but please just bear with me. The next thing that we have to just hold on to is your miracle. Amen. Cling to your miracle. You're a person that's in a particular position and you really have something that is debilitating, whatever. And society will tell you. You have to live with it. Don't let that get into your heart. 
You might hear people talking about miracles, signs and wonders and read about them in the Bible. You've got a choice. You can see that miracle and you say, hmm, wonderful miracle. It won't mean anything for you. What do we have to learn? Cling to your miracle. Amen? You think of Brian Bartimaeus. There he is. And I picked up the spirit of this when I read that scripture recently. He's blind. He's on the side of the road. He's been blind all his life. He's an outcast in society. That's blind Bartimaeus for you. And you see, he hears the Lord coming past. He's probably heard that he's healed people. And he starts shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. What do the people around him tell him to do? Oh, Bartimaeus, make a fool of yourself. Sit down, shut up, you blind, and stay blind. You understand? But now listen, they're not the people that are blind. You understand? They don't understand it. I understand why Bartimaeus, when he heard that, what happened? He started to shout all the more. Brothers and sisters, you know, nobody will understand your miracle or what your miracle will mean to you. You understand? If I've never been a beggar, I won't understand the, the miracle that man won. Are you hearing me? So don't expect other people to understand the miracle that you need. But all the same, what must you do about your miracle? Cling. Amen. Cling. We had a very good friend. The family of good friends of ours, his daughter was born in Afrikaans, they had dwarf storm because his wife contracted German measles when she was pregnant. She had this little girl, beautiful young lady, couldn't hear, she couldn't speak properly because of that. So she was growing up in this condition. I'll never forget the day he said to me, you know what, Graham, I've come to the place where I realized the miracle's not going to happen. He said to me, the miracle's not going to happen. You know what I realized right there? The miracle's not going to happen. You understand? But the miracle could have happened. Right? What is he hearing? People telling him, medically impossible. Don't believe in miracles. God can't do it. It's impossible. So when he read those scriptures about the one man in the Bible whose tongue was tied, the very same condition, and the Lord Jesus healed him, touched his tongue and healed him. When he read that scripture, what was he doing to it? Kissing it. And because of that, what use was it to him? Are you hearing me? What would he have had to have done for that to change? Cling. Cling to your miracle, no matter what. Are you hearing me? If you need a miracle in your life, amen? If you need a miracle, cling to it. That's the way it will come. Are you hearing me? That's the way it will come. You cannot kiss a miracle. You have to cling. The other thing very similar is, and this is the final one I want to speak about. No, there's two more. The next one is cling to your calling. Amen? Your calling. Cling to your calling. Up here me now. People know what they're called to do. What do they do? Sounds very good. Will they ever see that calling through? No. Why? The devil will come and lie, put a whole lot of things, and you come to a stage in your life where you say, you know, it's never going to happen. Won't happen. Not for me. What's happened? The thought that you had, you just kissed it. 
You had that dream, you just guessed it. You didn't cling. You didn't cling. You think of Rufi now, trying to get this engineering degree, my soul. All hell is broken loose to try and stop him, I can tell you. But you see, what's going to make the difference? He has started off with a class of 2,000. There's about 200 left. Do you get it? 2,000 started. They had an idea, a dream of being an engineer. What did they do to that dream? That calling. They kissed it. But a few of them did what? Through thick and thin. And they will become engineers. Are you? Are you? The final one is this, your dream. Okay, now every one of us has a dream. Deep in your heart, God has placed something that you dream about. And I'm no different from every one of you. I have great dreams. Great dreams. But can I just say this, that I don't share those dreams very often. Because some of them are so outlandish. People, if they heard me share them, would look at me and they'd say, yes, Graham, to my face. But what would they say behind my back? Shame. Shame. That's a belief. It's cooked. The screw is loosed. Okay, but let me just say something. Those dreams are placed in your heart by Almighty God. Can you say amen? They're placed in your heart by Almighty God. And you've got a choice. I've got a choice. When that dream came our way and it sounded so good, we could have done what? Kissed it. It's had some emotional contact with it. Got a thrill down our spine. Thought, how wonderful. But you see, that reaction is not enough. For that dream to manifest, what have we got to do? Have to clean. Have to clean. Are you and you see, God wants great people. People that, like Ruth, affect eternity, affect the world, make a change, make a difference. Make a difference, a great difference. Great people. I proclaim over this church, great people. Amen. Great people. But what is our responsibility when we hear these wonderful truths? We've got a choice. You can get emotionally involved and say, wow, that's wonderful. Wow, what a message. Oh, wasn't that good? No. The word comes your way. Are you going to say it was a good message? Or are you going to? Cling. Can you see that? Through thick and thin. When we cling through thick and thin, that's when it makes the difference for eternity. Amen. Praise God.